Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Since Christmas, we've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit and um, just looking at different aspects of the Holy Spirit and uh, uh, Holy Spirit's working as individually and corporately. And it's actually been really encouraging to see and hear uh, feedback and how God is moving in people's uh, lives. And uh, so I'm going to carry on uh, with that theme today and uh, ask to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 14, which is quite a, uh, a long chapter. So I'm going to read just a few verses uh, from verse 26 and, uh, and then uh, go from there. It says in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 14, Well, my brothers and sisters, let us summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, Another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one present can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who's speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after another so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that the people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And in all the meetings of God's holy people. That doesn't quite describe Christchurch Manchester, as I see it. Um, it uh, I come here and uh, help the prayer meeting often. At uh, 9.30, one thing I have to sometimes say is, there's uh, six or ten of us here. Uh, If you don't pray, it's going to be silent. (laughs) And uh, it's almost like uh, much more in the UK scene, especially, what we read there in Corinthians, which is an eagerness to speak, to contribute, and unfortunately, a slight eagerness to outdo people as well. So there was some uh, uh, slight uh, stuff in there that wasn't so helpful, which is why Paul is addressing the uh, congregation, is a little different from what we're used to. We are called Britannia, which means that uh, we uh, just like to be kind of steady. <laughs> and uh, cool, and, uh, and, you know. So it's uh, interesting to read what Paul sees as more normative and bringing some correction into uh, the Corinthian church in light of probably what we see as 
normative. So uh, uh, he's trying to say, look, only have three people speaking in tongues. And only maybe have three people prophesying. And, uh, you know, let's just keep it a little bit orderly. God help us. (laughs) That, uh, you know, maybe we need to move a little bit more in that direction, do you think? Just a tad, just a, a little bit of a kind of movement towards something that seems to resemble the uh, church there in the New Testament, especially in Corinth. Now, it is Corinth he's addressing, he's not addressing the church in Jerusalem, he's not addressing the church at Antioch, so a bit like we have in the world, (laughs) there is different aspects and different ways people worship and uh, and, uh, whether I was, uh, actually my first time in India, uh, was in a village church and all the guys were on one side and all the ladies were on the other side. And, um, you know, that's just the way it is. That's the way the... Con- so we all do things differently. That's what I'm trying to say. And everybody needs often to adjust to make sure that what they're doing is not just uh, in line with their cultural understanding and background, but actually lines up a little bit more with the Scripture. And the Scripture is all about God in the midst of his people. God being with us. We are the people of God. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, individually and corporately. We're the dwelling place of God. And if God is with us, God is with us, then we're the most blessed people in the whole world. And the weekend away, I was listening to one of the people there at one of our community groups in, in, uh, in on the sites, and uh, not sure she's a Christian, uh, definitely just trying to make a journey. And in one of the worship times on the weekend away, she literally had a vision of Jesus in front of her. And she said, I opened my eyes, I thought I'd go away, and then close my eyes, and there, it's still there, beckoning me to come, wanting me to come. And, I mean, she was electric. And I'm not even sure she understood what was happening. But she was having an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of a worshipping people. That sounds something that's a bit more New Testament to me. That sounds like God in the midst of his people. And so the reason we're doing this series on the Holy Spirit is to encourage us to uh, help us to be a little more noisy. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) It's good. To encourage us that actually... We are the people of God. And so what Paul is addressing here is actually something that I would prefer to address. Let's just call it down a tad. (laughs) Let's just kind of make way for the next person. And uh, so big encouragement here that actually we, we together 
as we offer our praise and worship, prayers are actually the people of God. And there's something of the dynamic of God that happens when the people of God gather. That's why Paul said, don't not meet together, as some are doing. And, you know, as we come out of this pandemic, and uh, so many of us, I've got four holidays booked, you know, I'm one of the people that are deciding (laughs) I've got an overload of, uh, you know, and, you know, so it, it is good. We need to get a bit of air, visit families and stuff. But you know what? It's so easy, and it's happening in the nation, and it's definitely happening in Western Europe, that the sense of that uh, we'll take or leave when we gather together. You know, if we feel like it, we'll do it. If we don't, we won't. And uh, a drift happens. And actually, that drift stops when God is in the midst of his people. I remember a few years ago, there was a a newspaper article about a Benny Hinn (laughs) meeting in the centre of Manchester. And it must have been at the arena, because there was only how many thousands were there. But effectively, it was a little bit of a riot outside. So the, the uh, I don't think they used that quite the word, a scuffle. And the, it, what it was was there were so many people trying to get in, and uh, I think there was a one or two thousand who couldn't get in. And so it, became, it was a report in the newspaper, and uh, just made me smile, you know, that uh, a scuffle getting into church almost. Um, but uh, I did uh, comment to someone at the time, that uh, whatever you think about some of these people, okay, just not trying to, um, in terms of uh, theology, when someone's carrying the presence of God and an expectation that there'll be healings and miracles and God is at work, there's a hunger in people to be there. And, uh, you know, when I was converted in the, in the 1970s, it was in the midst of a, what we call a charismatic renewal, where a lot of churches were pretty dead and formal, and God, in his beauty and sovereignty, poured out his Holy Spirit, and people started speaking in tongues all over the place. In fact, I read, funny enough, I read a commentary as I was preparing this from... Um, uh, uh, a, a, a reformed theologian um, who, who was, li- he was writing it in the midst of that. And he said, uh, and, uh, on this chapter, and he said, and there's tongue speakers around. And it was like an accusation. It was, you know, <laughs> it was, uh, I had forgotten that actually it was quite acrimonious that some people were not happy with what was going to say. The commentator literally was writing the commentary in the midst of it, and it was like these tongue speakers. And then there was a chapter of really what they should get better at (laughs) and how that should be adjusted. But, uh, But God did something. New churches were started. That's how we started, actually. Historically, we came out of that. I was converted when someone spoke in tongues, and basically, I knew God was in the room. Complete non-Christian, no, not Christian background, knew nothing. I didn't know much theology, if anything, but I did know this. The presence of God was so mighty in that room that I knew God was there. And uh, that changed my life. And I had to understand afterwards 
what it was, like Peter did on the day of Pentecost. They're not drunk, but God is here, and this is what he's doing. The prophet Joel said this would happen. In the last days, God would pour out his spirit. And, you know, I pray more and more for the presence of God in the midst. If you ever listen to me praying, when we're praying here, it's like I only have one prayer. God, would you meet us? Which was why I was so thrilled when you get stories like the story of the weekend away. And I, there was other stories as well of people meeting the living God. And on the Saturday night when Sam Ward preached, it was the most um, funny altar call because he, he said, if you want prayer, come to the front. Then he went and sat down with no explanation. And a guy from our Gorton site went right past me, light straight past me. And he said afterwards, he said, Colin, I had to get to the front straight away and then more and more people went to be prayed for for God and what I'm saying is this when God is in the midst you can even make (laughs) requests that you know probably need a bit more explanation but who cares because God is getting hold of people and there needs to be a response there's a response and as this dear man said to me, she said, Colin, I had to move. And he said that to me because he'd asked me in the morning to pray for him. And he was in a difficult place. But God was in the room. And God's meeting people. And when God's in the room and God's meeting people, then there's movement. People are contributing. People are actively engaging with what is happening. So Paul is addressing uh, this and uh, as uh, we read in chapter 14 that when God is in the room and people are prophesying even people who do not know Christ and that's what happened to me that's what's happening in our midst actually God is exposing them God is doing something and they know God is here and that's how you know, when I look and pray for people on our road, when I pray, and, you know, we've got quite a lot of Muslims, dear people, dear friends, you know, cook me meals, love it. <laughs> you know, they're lovely, lovely people. But they need a revelation. People need a revelation of the living God. And God can do it. You know, we have many missionaries in the 1040 window in the Arabic world and other worlds. And the stories you get, of people who meet Jesus in the middle of the night and have a revelation of Jesus in a, in a supernatural way. And, and then they're trying to find, where can I find a church where I can find out more? And uh, yeah, in our first weekend away, I preached on, on this theme of the presence of God. If God doesn't go with us, even if he gives us the best angel in the universe, which is exactly what God offered the people of God. (laughs) I'm going to give you an angel that will destroy all your enemies and give you the land. And I remember saying, I don't think I'd mind that offer. (laughs) I think I I would actually have taken it, (laughs) wouldn't you? The most powerful angel in the universe, (laughs) I'm going to send with you. 
You know, I would like to plant a church with the most powerful angel in the universe. You know, I've been doing it now for 40 years. It's really be pretty helpful. <laughs> Might be good at setup as well. You never know. <laughs> would understand the tech. <laughs> as well as being mighty. But you see, Moses wasn't interested. He said, no, unless God, you go with us. We are not moving. <laughs> we are staying here. Because he's basically saying this. How will people know we are different? How will people know that we are special if you are not with us? And I remember Sam preaching, it must be three years ago now for COVID, on the end of Exodus. And the building of the tabernacle, brilliant preach. And then, you know, we read that about the presence of God coming on that tabernacle. It says in end of Exodus, then the cloud covered the tabernacle, this tent, you see. Because when Moses prayed, go with us, God says, well, I'm going to help you build a tent. This is how you're to do it. It's a tabernacle. It's, It's going to be where I'm going to be present and it's going to be in the midst of you. And uh, they finished building this structure. And it says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down on it, and the glory of the Lord filled it. The glory of the Lord. Moses' prayer was being answered. God was going to move with them. He was going to be present there. Years later, David wants the glory of God not to be in a tent, but be into something special, something large, something majestic, and says, God, could I be the one to build a temple? And God said, no, you're a soldier. (laughs) You've killed many people. You've been good, but actually it's your son that will build the temple. And so he prepared all the stuff so Solomon could build this majestic temple. And we read exactly the same thing in 2 Chronicles 7. As the structure is finished, it says, the glory of the, the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple and the priests could not enter the temple, just like Moses. It was like when the glory comes, it is Powerful, something special happening. Isaiah, in a most tragic and difficult time, when the king had died, and there was stress and strain around, he's in the temple and he says, The glory of the Lord filled the temple. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he was undone. I'm a sinner in the presence of God. And then we read these amazing words in 1 John, John 1, 14. The word Jesus became a human and made his home amongst us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory. This is John the Apostle. We have seen his glory. 
So the glory of the Lord that filled the tabernacle, filled the temple, filled individual believers, Gideon and others in the Old Testament, now as the famous songwriter said, God contracted to a span incomprehensibly. We don't understand it. We can't get our head around it. Became a man. And John says, we beheld his glory. This man, Christ Jesus, with the glory of the Lord. With him. And John, for three years, could say, I touched him. I ate with him. I watched him perform miracles. I watched things happen amazingly. Saw him transfigured. Saw Moses and Elijah. Saw the most amazing things because the glory of the Lord was there. And then heard these words. It is better that I go because I am going to send the Holy Spirit to you. What a strange thing. Here's the glory of the Lord walking with you, doing miracles, eating with you, and he's saying, it's better that I leave you. What a strange thing. But the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit of Jesus, some of the writers say, the Holy Spirit of Jesus was poured out. And it's like Jesus was there with them. Terry Virgo put it this way in his book. The Holy Spirit coming would mean that it would be like having Jesus with them. That lady on the weekend away, that's exactly what was happening. It would be like having Jesus with them. Indeed, Jesus must have amazed them with his promise that actually it would be better for them when the Holy Spirit came. Better, not worse, superior, not inferior, surpassing their previous experience of being with Christ. This is the church of Jesus Christ. It should surpass what the apostles were witnessing. You see, because the Spirit of the Lord came upon us and in us in a remarkable, miracle way. We're the people of God, the people of the Spirit. The most blessed people in the whole world. The hope of the world. Because Jesus is the hope of the world. And Jesus is with us. Changing lives. And so in this Corinthian passage, the people of God were so excited when they met together. So filled with his, his spiritual gifts. They just wanted to exercise them and use them. And uh, you get uh, these amazing things where Paul is saying, just calm down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just kind of wait for one another. I remember being in a, a meeting in Africa once and... Uh, in the congregations that uh, are serving there, they didn't have any musical instruments. It was, everything was done by um, a, 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 
one um, worship leader who just sang, I call it a cappella, but just, you know, just... And, but what was happening, and there was about three or four congregations all together, and they all had their worship leader there. And you could imagine, because it was like a free-for-all. <laughs> so so the one would start, and then another one would start, and it was like, come on, let's have a little bit of order. But it was absolutely brilliant as well. <laughs> so, and it was like a bit like the New Testament. It was a bit like, I think you just should wait a little bit till we've done that song before we start this song. And it, but it was, you know, and a, a little bit competitive, maybe. <laughs> and a little bit, you know, one-up personship. But actually, glorious. <laughs> Brilliant. Wonderful. An exciting time. An exciting meeting. To be. You hear what I'm trying to say? Is God in the midst of his people is so, so special. And as we gather together, Paul in this Fashion uh, Corinthians is basically saying there's many gifts. But I urgently, and he says this in, uh, in, the, in, the, in first one, it says, let love be your highest goal, but you should de- desire Special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. So Paul is really urging that the people of God earnestly pray for the gift of prophecy. And then he goes on, and uh, if I had time, you'd read it, about speaking in tongues. And basically saying, look, I would like you to speak in tongues. I speak in tongues more than all of you. And, uh, but if they're speaking in tongues in the congregation, let there be an interpretation so that actually people understand what's being said. And, uh, but urging that we eagerly desire prophetic words. And uh, it's interesting if you look at that and then look at the verses that I read, that everybody brings something, a prayer, a teaching. And you know what? I think we're pretty good when there's a need, we pray. And uh, I was in a little meeting yesterday with Sojo and Hepsi and some people. And Sojo does exactly what we often do in small groups. Let's pray for some of your needs as well. And let's pray for the site. So part of coming together is when people are weeping, we weep. And when they're laughing, we laugh. And when they've got things to rejoice about, we rejoice with them. It's a community. That's what Paul is saying. But there's another dynamic, and that's what Paul is addressing here as well. There's a a dynamic dynamic of the eternal God presenting himself through prophetic words to the people of God. There's something about prophecy that takes a prayer that's kind of between two of us, to God. You know, I'm praying for Josh. It's like, I know the need. You know, there's kind of, and there's an encouragement. When we see people that need encouragement, you put your arm around them. There's something different when prophetic words come, because we're bringing the eternal perspective into the community. And something radically changed. I was in a meeting a few weeks ago, a few months ago, 
Uh, and it was a New Frontiers meeting with some of the senior leaders. And we, we actually had some pretty difficult things we were talking about. There were some big things that had gone on, the challenges. And we knew that one of the things is we had to reconstruct and, uh, the, the kind of central organization to be more robust to meet an international movement that's in 90... And, and it basically meant things had to change. And when you went around the room, like often in these sort of circumstances, people had different opinions. Some people wanted to strengthen it. Some people wanted to make it more relational. Do you understand? There was like, everybody saw the need, but what was to be done? And then one of the people there said, look, I had a dream a few nights ago, and I think it's relevant. And he said, I dreamt that this house was on fire. And then I went after it had died down and I was taken around it vividly in this dream. And then the person taking me around it said, I'm going to show you the problem. And took me down into the cellar to a fuse board and basically says this, the fuse board was not fit for purpose. The fuse board was a liability. For this house not to burn down again, you need to rewire the fuse board. And you know what? That meeting became electric because suddenly what people understood and were debating a little bit, suddenly actually God's perspective. If you do not deal with this, <laughs> the house is going to burn down. Massive. Suddenly what you were looking at together individually with your own reason, suddenly God speaks. That's what prophetic things do. It brings God into our lives. We need it. I told you the other week I was preaching that I had someone had a dream about me and that not, what would happen is, this was just very re- relevant and um, recent, and that really the dream was this, you're going to refocus the next season in Manchester and you're not going to do so much in your movement. And God had been speaking about that every week. I've been talking to different leaders. A couple of leaders from Mottram asked, could they take me out for a curry on Tuesday? You never say no to that. So basically I'd read a book and wanted me to help them as they went, never met them before, was with two of the leaders on Friday. Again, talking about, it's like this was all happening. Suddenly someone has a dream. And you know what happens then? You also then have a major situation happening in your movement. You know what happens? I think, God, you've spoken to me. I have got to make sure that I concentrate on this new season, even though there's big things happening here. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? This is the eternal one bringing clarity, bringing faith, bringing expectation. We desperately need it. Each one of us need God in the room. And that's what Paul's saying is, when God speaks, something happens, even to unbelievers. And I'm, I, I, I was thinking, how do I land this? And uh, even the way I've preached it, I, I normally try to go through a verse by verse a bit, but I just wanted to bring, I think, my heart... <laughs> I just want to try and, and I think you probably think, Colin, you preach this every time now in some different 
And that is true. I remember John Owen once saying, when I first was here, he said, Colin, you've only got one sermon. <laughs> You're okay, and you can do it. Because <laughs> basically that was my preach all the time. In God, you're okay. <laughs> and in God, you can do it. And it's like everything I preached on almost had that in it. Well, I feel like in the last year or two or three, this is, you know, almost since I preached that uh, word about, if you, you know, don't send, just send an angel. We want your presence. It's like it has consumed me. And that's my prayer. And I, I, even now, I want us to be hungry for God in the midst of his people. I really pray, and I can't make that happen. (laughs) Do you know? But God can. God can come. And I say, I think we're seeing it all over CCM, actually. Different people's testimonies about encountering afresh. Another lady said to me that they'd just drifted for a couple of years, and God was apprehending them. Because I said, what's changing? You can see the change. And it's like God is there. There's another guy who I, I preached last year and on hell. And as uh, um, one of my points, I was walking the dog. There was a guy in the congregation here, ran up to me in tears. Had not been able to sleep for days after that. And basically, was has been changed. It was like someone who was totally laid back and cool was apprehended by God, crying because praying for his brother, who was far from God, praying for other people. Suddenly, people who were lost had—they're going to hell. Something that had apprehended. And I'm thinking, man alive. We need more of this. More individuals that are apprehending. This nation needs a revival. Honestly. We've had COVID. We've got a war in Europe. We've got a cost of living crisis that's going to bring millions into poverty. It's like one thing after another. It has not been like that in the 65 years that I've been alive. That at, at one wave after another. It reads more like it did in a different century. It's like we've had a cosy, easy, relative life. You know, it's, it's like something is happening. And we know, it's, I know it with our kids, there's a mental health issue. I had a breakdown. You know, it's not, it's, it's, it's epidemic. We need God. 